Welcome to The Marvelous Gospel, a podcast where we examine our favorite movies through a biblical, theological, and redemptive perspective. I am Frank Gill, and I'm here with my Sorcerer Supreme, Tommy Hutchinson. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Does that mean you're going to call me Wong? Because that's the real Sorcerer oh, Supreme. Or, 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 sorry, uh, for those of you that don't know, you'll for the, if you know, you know. But we'll just we'll start you know, with that. You know. I know this is your favorite movie, right? Yeah. This is like oh. your favorite movie of the MCU. And so uh, I wanted to give you the title of Sorcerer Supreme, and I'll be your Wong. How about that? I'll be, I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the Wong. Well, that's true until so you get to No Way Home, and then those those roles then, flip because yeah, because strange blipped. And anyways, yeah, this is um, there's there's a difference in my mind between best and favorites, if that makes sense. Sure. So best sure. is in just terms of quality. Like we do need to do a rankings episode at some point. But um, this, like, if you don't know, Doctor Strange is my favorite in the Marvel world. Um, he's he's one of my favorite characters. Period. I am. I don't know when this podcast has come out. So in case you didn't know, we like record these ahead of time a little bit. So we may have seen or may not have seen the oh, next Doctor point. Strange movie when this comes out. Um, so at the time of recording this, we have not seen Doctor Strange 2, which let's go. Like, come on. Like, I'm so <laughs> I'm so stoked for. If you're looking for like a recap of or what like like um, like a setup for Doctor Strange 2, this isn't the podcast for that. Um, we're I mean. We're going to talk a lot about Doctor Strange in this episode, like obviously because it's about the movie. Yeah. If you're looking for like, uh, here's what you should know before Doctor Strange two. There's uh, friends from work will probably have a great uh, show for that. Um, New rock stars on YouTube. Like, there's New plenty, rocks. plenty, plenty yeah, of yeah, yeah. places. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you're welcome because those are both <laughs> great resources on Marvel World and uh, and nerd them. Um, you know what's interesting? Because you said your favorite character. And favorite like movie, even though it's different from like the best. Yeah. Mine's would probably be the Spider Man. Like uh, Spider Man's my favorite character by far. And then I don't know in terms of like, like I think I, I think he's awesome. But I don't know if he's necessarily they have the, he has the best movies in the MCU. But yeah. um, one someone brought out this is that Doctor Strange one and Doctor Strange two sandwich the Spider Man trilogy. Like there were three Spider Man mm-hmm. movies. Between Doctor Strange 1 and Doctor Strange 2, which I thought was an interesting thing, especially yeah. because Doctor Strange had such a uh, connection with the last Spider-Man movie. Anywho, well, we're, we're going to talk, talk about Doctor Strange today. Before we dive in, um, I want to give a special shout out because there's, a, a, I think, a few new listeners now. Um, our buddy, uh, uh, Sketchy Sermons, uh, gave us a, a huge shout out. And because of that, we have a bunch of new followers I did notice that the uh, the last uh, the episode that he promoted, the Age of Ultron episode, like bounced way up in terms of listens compared to like what the other listens are. So if you are just now catching us, welcome. My name is Frank. My buddy here is Tommy. We're both pastors in Milwaukee. Um, we we pastor at a church called uh, Epicos Church. We're both campus pastors, um, and uh, we're just two guys who love Jesus and also love the MCU. And we found that our conversations at lunch on Tuesdays were getting overwhelming for the rest of our staff. So we took it to a podcast. And uh, and so this is what we do. We we rewatch the MCU movies in cinematic the, uh, theatrical order. And we are uh, just kind of reflecting in a deep dive the the theological themes we find. Some are the, the beautiful, good themes that we find that are true in scripture. And we also analyze and be critical about the things that maybe the movies promote that aren't biblical or theologically sound. 
But hey, if you are here and you are a Christian that likes or wants to learn more about theology or talk about theology and are an MCU fan, then this podcast is for you. Uh, Well, here's how you can help us. Like if you just discovered us, you're like, hey, this is a cool podcast. What can we do for you guys? We're not going to ask you to buy anything. We don't have a Patreon. We don't even have like sponsors on on this podcast. We don't even have t-shirts. I mean, like, let's just, like, we don't have merch. We don't, we're not looking. We don't have anything. Yeah. But what we do have is a podcast that we want you to share with others. So if you could do what our buddy Sketchy Sermons did, and and uh, and if you don't know Sketchy Sermons, go to, go on Instagram and look up so Sketchy good. Sermons. So good. Some of the I I have in my wall, which I'm preaching on this in a couple of weeks actually. I have the uh, he has this illustration of the armor of God that he drew out, and it's excellent. I think it's so good. Anyways, if you go on Instagram and look up Sketchy Sermons, go follow him. But if you could do what he did and share with a friend, if you are a Christian that loves theology and the MCU, you probably have other friends like in the same camp as you. Um, share this podcast with them. We would love that. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, rate and review it. If you haven't done so, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And find us on you – know, we're on Instagram – Share us. We would love it. And if you give us a shout out in our story, in your stories or something, we will promise to to share it on ours. So, and if and yeah. if you're not sure who to share it with, just think who you'd want to see Doctor Strange with, and that's who yeah. you should share it with. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. that, that's probably the best way to figure out who you should yeah. share it with. Yeah, but and dude, guess what? I'm going to see Doctor Strange with you, which let's is going to be so exciting. It's a good time. And we're, and we're and actually... Jacob's coming with us, who we had before on the podcast. So, so hey, let's talk about Doctor Strange, okay? Doc, uh, we are talking about the 2016 release of Doctor Strange. I wish we had the music right now. Doo, 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 doo. Anyways, <laughs> um, it is directed by Scott Derrickson, who is mostly known for his horror movies. Which, can we pause up. for a second real quick? Yeah. Talk about that. Like, we're not going to talk about this much, but I feel like right now is when Marvel, when you're going back to is starting to be like, let's dabble in other genres. Yeah, and this is like additional superhero stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's sure. not like like you go back to original Iron Man, original Hulk. It's very straightforward. This is a comic book and movie form. This is where they were like, let's take the characters and put them in a different genre. And this, they horror. Like I didn't realize until rewatching how many of the movies coming up actually fit within that genre. And we're gonna like full bore. We full bore gone with it with Moon Knight. That's right now you could almost call horror. And especially with what they're talking about with the next Doctor Strange movie, it is full. Which I'm not a horror movie guy. Like I'll just be real. Like that's not my scene. But this kind of horror is good, and I'm enjoying it. So there, there's my little insert. I'm not into horror, and I think like I haven't truly seen a true horror movie from the MCU. I think yeah. the way I would describe it, all the movies the MCU, who if you were to call it horror, I think it's more along the lines of like M Night Shyamalan's like suspenseful thrillers yeah. than like, like a true horror movie. Um, even though I would say the closest we've gotten so far truly is the zombies episode of What If, yeah. and then uh, and I think we're gonna get. I, I mean, who knows this next Doctor Strange? It's made by Sam Raimi. Who is like a horror legend, but Scott Derrickson is a horror movie. He's like that's what he got famous from is from his horror movies, hmm. um, which which is surprising. There was some like I don't have horror elements in this movie, but there was some some odd stuff. Um, I, I do want to say before I talk about who's in this cast is uh, when I first heard Doctor Strange, I was like, oh no, is Marvel <laughs> gonna go into like Harry Potter and like be all like weird with like you know it's, it's gonna be a bunch of. Um, Voldemort's and Dumbledore's. Oh, Marvel's just catching the wave of Harry Potter, <laughs> just getting their money. <laughs> but they really did something completely uniquely different. Like it does not have a Harry Potter feel at all. Oh, of course. Except for the fact that, like, I guess he's a wizard. He's a sorcerer. 
But anyways, we'll, we'll talk about. I mean, it, it's just it, it's interesting. All right, let's talk about this cast because this is all a completely brand new cast. No one from the previous movies are in this. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I think this was like uh, the first movie um, that wasn't uh, kind of teased earlier, even though there was a reference to Stephen Strange in. Uh, what was that movie? Uh, the second Captain America, the Winter Soldier. There was a reference to Stephen Strange. Well, they needed to and take was, out powerful people. They yeah, mentioned, they mentioned the Doctor. And then they also mentioned. Here's a really deep fun fact: in the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, uh, they rent. They mentioned. They're like, "What should we call this guy?" And they're like, "Can we call him Doctor Strange?" And the guy said, "That's already taken," which is crazy. That that like is a deep cut reference before. The MCU really was its thing. Anyways, let's Sony talk about the cast. Sony knew what they were doing, question mark? <laughs> Not really. They're just th- <laughs> throwing spaghetti against the wall there. All right. So we got Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Stephen Strange. Rachel McAdams as Dr. Christine Palmer. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. I totally like wrote that in phonetics because I, I, I just <laughs> by reading his name, I couldn't figure out how to pronounce it. So I like what listen to, like YouTube videos. Bonus Chiwetel, points to our listeners that can spell that correctly without looking it yeah, up. All right. right. We don't have Chiwetel, any gifts, but if I had a prize, I'd send it to you. <laughs> Chiwetel Ejiofor as Mordor. Benedict Wong as Wong, which is hilarious. <laughs> that yeah. This character is his real name. Benedict Wong as Wong. Uh, Mads uh, McKellison as Cassilius and Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. Here's my synopsis. Dr. Strange is a successful neurosurgeon who has a tragic car accident that removes his ability to use his hands for work. After traditional medicine has failed him, he turns to mysticism and hidden magic to heal his injury. In In this pursuit, he discovers... There's a secret magical world that lies beyond ours, and he has to choose between using his magic, using the magic he learns to heal himself, or protect the world from mystical forces that could destroy the planet. As the Doctor Strange fan, what do you think? Dude, I think it, it's good. Um, I think part of the reason I like Doctor Strange so much, too, is I like, this will sound like, track me for a second. I like mo- sci fi movies that take one rule and twist it. And I feel like this movie in particular, there's tons of rules they twisted, which made it even more fun. But the one rule I feel like they twisted is like, what if the one thing that you're chasing after is taken from you? How are you going to respond? And actually in What If, they do that even more. Which, by the way, if you have not seen the Doctor Strange What If episode, go watch it. In my in my opinion, it's one of the best stories, period, in Marvel that they've done. Um, if they would have made that What If episode, the uh, Doctor Strange 2, the movie, I would have been okay with it. Like it's it was that good. Um, no, I thought it was good. I, I have to say this. Like, I'm gonna fanboy for a second. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Like he is such a good actor from Smog in The Hobbit to when you see, if you ever want to look that up, look up on YouTube what he does with Smog um, with the 3D stuff that they do. To if you haven't seen this is it's a little more like adulty. It's like kind of like upper teen adulty, but um, Sherlock is incredible. If you have not seen that, that's where actually where he first kind of cut his teeth in the world. Um, and that's what made him popular. So he plays Sherlock Holmes, but it's Sherlock Holmes set in like 2020 kind of a deal or 2015 or whatever. Um, this It's really good um, as it, it gets it gets the very last episode is like Saw. That's why I'm saying it's it's adult like it's really weird. If you don't know that reference, good. Um, <laughs> it's, it's weird. I just I want to fanboy hard on that because he's so good. And his character as he goes, he he develops it even more. Even when we get too far from home, where he's still trying to figure out 
I think he's still searching for who he is. He's lost everything, and after he helps the Avengers, uh, sorry, that's looking way ahead, but I think he's still searching for what it is. But this movie sets it up so well, and there's so many good scenes and conversations in this movie, let alone um, the mirror dimension, which apparently Spider-Man can beat him in the mirror dimension, we found out. <laughs> You're but, like yeah. spoiling so much future stuff. <laughs> I, dude, can you tell how, how much I love Strange, I know, though? I, know, like, I, I could fanboy hard on this, but yeah. yeah. It's... It, I, I said this right before we got on. It's like when I saw Doctor Strange for the uh, for the first time, I was like, okay, that's a cool movie. And then obviously his character adds so much later, like as like a secondary role in these movies, whether it's Infinity War or um, in the Spider Man movie. But like uh, I and like even um, I mean there was a teaser to this in the in the end towards um, Thor Ragnarok. He's in there, which is which is fun. Oh yeah, um, that's right. He uh, he's such a good actor and he's such a good character, uh, but after rewatching it, I think I have a new appreciation for it. Let me let me give you my observations and to yeah, see yeah. if you have any any additional ones that I have. Um, so one, let me straight up say the moment he gets to Kamataj um, and meets all these like ma- almost called magicians, whatever these people are, like these like these people doing these like sacred arts or whatever. Um, everyone speaks in proverbs. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone talks so like majestically and like whatever. And I thought it was really funny. Um, did you notice the date on his watch? Did, I, have you heard? Have you heard this Easter egg about the about the date that was on his watch? I have, but I'm blanking right now. Okay, the date is Tuesday, February second, twenty sixteen, and that date is Groundhog's Day. And that's important because of what he does at Dormammu by repeating time over and over and over again, just like the movie of Groundhog's Day where he's, he keeps repeating the day over and over again. Which is why in the trailer for the next Doctor Strange, if you know, if you've seen the, the, the trailer. The watch is like a big deal. The watch, like the is, watch is a big is, deal. Is like, it might be like a key or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought that was a cool Easter egg. There's some like um, – they did some really cool Easter eggs in this movie. Um, in the So here's one that's – I love this. Okay. This is probably my favorite Easter egg because it's such like a deep cut and it's a long game play for this. All right. In the movie, Doctor Strange does the spell where he uh, messes with time and then he gets yelled at, right? And he says that like there's warnings about you can't mess with time. And then like he says like it's kind of inappropriate to put the 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 warnings about the spell after the spell. Because <laughs> like he's like this is not a good way to write it out or whatever. So here's the thing. Okay. Um, in the first part of the movie, when, like what starts this movie is Dr. Strange gets in a car accident. How does he get in a car accident? By distracted driving, okay? At the end of the credits, the very last like words on the text is a warning about distracted driving, saying to like keep <laughs> – you know, keep your eyes and hands on the wheel. So right? the warning comes after. The warning the- <laughs> comes after. And I was like, dude, <laughs> this is so smart and funny. Like, I mean, um, I mean, I think it's a sincere thing. Like, don't drive distracted. Oh, but it's like, again, like, that's like a double joke. It's like the warning came after the scene. Which did you catch when he was getting in the driving, when he was getting the list of all the people that he could save? Yeah. One of them was, um, oh, what's Possibly Rhodey. Rody? Yeah, it was possibly Rhodey, War Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was interesting that that could have been that guy. That could have been him. Um, okay, the director. Okay, so in the scene where he's like um, using, he's like learning the magic of the time and whatever. He uses an apple, and like he takes a bite, and then he realizes that he can fast forward time, 
and it looks like the apple's being eaten and he can rewind time and the apple becomes whole. It says the director, who I found out is he's a pres he says he's Presbyterian who dabbles in Catholicism. Hmm. I don't know what that means. So the, the director like has faith. He has some he has like some um he he's definitely familiar with like Christian themes in the church and yeah. stuff like that. Which by the he, way, can we pause real quick? Yeah. We don't know if it was an apple that Adam and Eve ate, by the way. Yeah. That's just true. what like modern pictures have put. So if you want to yeah. know like what it was a fruit. We yeah, don't it know. Was fruit. Yeah. Um, I think I, Good. I, I tend to think it's nectarines. I don't like nectarines, so like that's the forbidden fruit in my brain, at least. So in, I, in, I'm joking, in, but in my mind, it's a pomegranate because that thing is super messy. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Bible doesn't say they ate an apple. That's mm -hmm. uh, a modern inference. Uh, the Bible says they ate a fruit, but yep. because the apple is often the symbol of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, yeah. it's supposed to symbolize that that Doctor Strange is doing forbidden magic. And like that's why they put the apple there because oh, he's doing for forbidden sure. magic. That stuff is cool. All right, here's the part where I think I is why I think Doctor Strange to me is probably a better movie because of how we're watching these movies. Because um, I think this movie is as theological as Age of Ultron, but for different reasons. Okay, um, I'm going to give you a bunch of like hits where there's some quotes here. One, Hit me. there's a discussion of, of of what it means to have a spirit. So Strange says, there's no such thing as a spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more. You are just another tiny momentary speck within an indifferent universe. And the Ancient One says, you think that this material universe is all there is. What, what mysteries lie beyond the reach of your senses? And Ooh. so, so like, uh, there's a conversation of the spirit, which we do have a soul. And, like, there is a immaterial version of us. Uh, um C.S. Sure. Lewis says, um, you're not a, you don't have a spirit. You're a spirit that has a body. And I think that's kind of like an interesting line to, for us to ponder on another day. <laughs> um, there's a discussion of your conscience, like making the right choices. And so the ancient one, so you find out towards the end of the movie that um, the ancient one has been pulling power from the dark dimension. To, so she can stay alive longer. So she says, I've hated drawing power from the dark dimension. But as you well know, talking to Stephen, sometimes one must break the rules in order to serve the greater good, which is a very good question. Is there a place to break the rules in order for the greater good? The reason why we should we could talk about that one day, and, and I don't know if there is another movie we could talk about this. So maybe there's going to be a bonus episode where we talk about this. Is I think of like Rahab who lied yeah. to protect uh, the the spies, or I think of um, the midwives who protected Moses, um, who who lied about you know because there were not supposed to be any boys. And, and like, or a modern day example, it's the Anne Frank syndrome. It's the person sure. who lied to keep Anne Frank away from the Nazis until unfortunately yeah. she didn't. But yeah, it's it's that it's like is. You know, is lying okay? That that type that type of a deal. And and Mordor, uh, Mordo says uh, Mordor. That's the Lord of the Rings. I was Mordo's, gonna say it's like, wrong sci-fi there, bro. Wrong one. Mordo says um, we broke our rules just like her. The bill comes due always a reckoning. Again, they speak in proverbs. It's so funny. Um, oh, dude, the bill comes due. I wrote that down. That line is oh, said shit. multiple, multiple, oh. multiple, multiple times yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah, and yeah. I, what kept coming back in my brain is the wages of the wages of sin or the cost of sin is death. Mm, like good. the bill always comes due. It's like we we just we just don't always see it. And I thought Mordo actually um they originally Doctor Strange 2, we don't know, but originally their cat it was they were going to do one way earlier 
and sure. Mordo, it was going to be Strange versus Mordor. Mord- Mordo. I, see, you got me, you got me talking in, a, in orc language over here. Um, Frodo would be very proud of me. Uh, anyways, uh, um, the it was originally, he's one of the main bad guys who kind of becomes allies with Strange at times, and he was enemies in the comics. And he sure. would go back and forth because his goal and purpose was to snuff out magic because he thought it was not for the greater good of mankind. So. Sure. His purpose was strange at times would line up because they'd be going yeah. against a big bad magic. And, was, yeah. and so they did a great job and it was an, it was a secondary thing, but they did a great job in developing his character that made the end credit scene so much better. Yeah. And we know Mordor comes back in the next one. Yeah. Um, we just Mordor. don't know which one Mordor. or how. Mordor. Mordor. Bro, I'm going to say it like 20 more times. Like, you know, yeah. like it's just. You know, what's, what's, also, what's also confusing is his name is Mordo. And the big bad guy in this movie is Dormammu. Dormammu. It's like these are such <laughs> fake words. These like are fake names that like are not normal how you say it or whatever. Yeah, give me Thanos. Um, That's easy. Come on. Yeah. Um. There's a there's a huge conversation with the purpose of life. Like oh, for yeah. Strange, he's having a, a fight with Christine, and he's like, "What is my life without my work?" And then Christine says, "You still have a life." And it's just, I mean, that's a huge one. Um. And then there's a big, big, big theme of eternal life. And so Cassilius, Cassilius says, the world is not what it ought to be. Humanity longs for the eternal, for the world beyond time, because time is what enslaves us. Time is an insult. Death is an insult. And I'll just say that line, he's not wrong. No, like, he's death, not. Death is an insult. And like, yeah. and, I, and I think that like, I think there's something to say that time is not an insult because God created time. And for us to... To to he God created time in such a way for us to to learn what it means to rest. I I mean there is something really interesting that I think uh, the ancient one I think it's the ancient one who says like the fact that she says something like the fact that we die is what gives us purpose or what gives us meaning or whatever because we know that time is limited and this mm-hmm. whole theme about time is important. I think that like God has given us time in order for us. I think it's part of His ordered way of living. And, and the way he like orders things, but like even though there is such a thing as time, because God has created like evening and morning, like day and light, um, he did intend for us to live eternally. And so death is an insult, although I don't think time is an insult in scripture. Go ahead. Well, and let's let's make our John Mark Coma reference right here, right oh, now. Boy. Right here we go. But different book. All right. Okay. The ruthless elimination of hurry. So I'm re- let's. I'm reading that. Uh, look, look, uh, oh, 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 I have it right here. I have it right here. If you can see re- our faces right now, he's he's holding it up very well. Um, I'm going to read think it this summer. Yep. I think it's the second chapter of that book, but he does sure. one. Um, so the entire book, he's talking about. We live in a culture of go, 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 just just flying by the seat of our pants. Hence the ruth- ruthless elimination of hurry. Um, but the first half of the book is all kind of setting up. So what is our culture? Almost like a cultural exegesis or what looking at our culture and pulling out from it. What is it saying? And I think it's the second chapter. I don't have the book in front of me. It's something called like the history of speed. And I'm not talking about the drug. I'm talking about how did we get to where we are, where everything is such a hurried pace. And one of the things he talks about in there, um, Here's a spoiler alert for you, but one of the things he talks about in there that I thought was fascinating is actually the invention of time as we know it. Like it's it, like it's nine forty three in the morning or whatever was actually something we created um, because when you think about it, time was not something there. It was created. I forget exactly when, but he talks about how when we created time, we took away God's natural rhythms of rest, 
because if you think of the seasons, like we live in Wisconsin, so we get like basically two seasons. We get winter and we get summer. Um, spring and fall happen, but they are so fast. They're basically over. Like I was joking with people on Easter this year. It feels more like Christmas Eve outside because we had snow the day after Easter. Um, but it, it's it, it, it the invention of time, if you think about it, what we did is before time and the light bulb, when it was dark, you went to bed. There was nothing you could do. You would sleep. You would rest. You would do this sort of a deal. But when we created time and we created um, light, we actually took away like when we were hungry, we ate. Now it's, hey, let's meet at noon. Yeah. Um, it's just this weird way to think about it. But when you actually start to dive, if you want to know more, read a John Mark Comer. Uh, you know, we're still waiting for the 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 uh, backing from him. It's, although I don't think that'll ever happen. But I think he's it, on sabbatical, so he's probably not like even aware of us. <laughs> yeah, that's we'll, we'll 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 go with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but that that book in particular is really good because he says the the counter then to being hurry. Sorry, Frank. I know you're going to read it, but. Um, the counter to it, he spends the whole second half of the book in a culture of hurry. What should our response to be? He goes, it's to be with Jesus. And actually, he says it's through the spiritual disciplines, which if you don't know what that is, that's the um, patterns that change us in our life, the patterns that we put in there to be more like Christ, to grow more like him, to do like that. We need to get a, one of our friends, Adam, on here if we were going to talk about spiritual disciplines because that is his wheelhouse. But yeah, so when he talks about time as an insult, you kind of mentioned, I might disagree with you a little bit where you said, I don't know if that's, I actually think he's dead on. Because it's actually our way of pulling rest as God created it from us um, and actually making it for ourselves. So in some ways, Cassilius in that whole statement was right. Time is an insult. Death is an insult. Both are true. Um, yeah, it's a different way of thinking about it. If you want to read the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Uh, really good red book title. Um, it's a red book on the outside. It's good. It's good. You're good. I hope yeah. you enjoy it. We're still not sponsored by him, so I don't know why we keep plugging his stuff for free. But contrary to popular belief, we are not sponsored. <laughs> the, the, la- the, the last quick thing about the observations I want to add is uh, in the theology side of this is that um, there's a there's a lot of like new agey stuff, which I think is is whack. But um, there is a lot of like new agey stuff that we could spend a whole episode just calling out. Like oh, I think sure. I think I don't know if it's a subtitle or if it's something that was said in this movie, but it's like open your mind, change your reality. Like there's like this open your third eye. And there's, I mean, I, I think Dr. Strange was right when he was like talking about like, I don't want to hear about chakras and all this other stuff. I do think that like, as much as like, I think this movie is good. Um, I can already hear like some super fundamental like conservatives being like, this is a movie about witchcraft. And this is a movie about like mystic stuff. And like, <laughs> like, hear me. Like I, like the Bible does talk about witchcraft and, and it being like yeah. bad, but like I don't want to, I don't want to like give this perception that like I'm okay with like syncretism and like mixing together witchcraft or new agey stuff. But um, I think there's a lot to, that we could talk about. I think the movie actually handles it in such a way where it like it kind of just assumes that whatever it's doing is what's yeah. true and it's not forcing down like the, like a new age, almost a, like new age religion that we see in our society is a perversion of whatever they're doing in Kamrataj, which is kind of an interesting, actually uh, kind of goes into my main discussion when we get to that. But what well, did you teaser did you, alert? Yeah. What, what, what kind of, um, what kind of observation, did you have any other observations besides what I brought up? Yeah. Just a couple of them. Um, I, I love, um, so the three big characters in this that I would consider are um, Benedict's uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dr. Strange, um, as well as Dr. Uh, Christine Palmer and, um, the ancient one, which by the way, if you've seen Loki, the ancient one and he who remains, they have such similar vibes to me. Um, 
rewatching this after watching Loki, like the way that they talk, the way that they kind of talk in code, even down to their last moments before they die, which spoiler, sorry. Um, they both go, Oh, I don't know what happens beyond this point. There's this time in which both of them have that. I think there's this amazing parallel. So there's just a nerd. You could have some fun with that parallel. Um, but there's like this idea of, uh, early in the movie, Christine calls, uh, Dr. Strange. Um, she looks and goes, you hypocrite. You won't, you, you're like, you won't chase after the cases that will, that you know, you'll, you might fail at. You'll only chase the one you want. And so she calls him a hypocrite, which by the way, that's such a churchy word. Um, that gets thrown out there. It's saying one thing, but your actions lead to another. It, it's, it's that idea. It, I don't know that just, that one hit me. Um, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but Steven, um, she looks at her when they're having the big fight between Christine and Steven, where he's got this row of watches and she goes, Steven, everything is about you. <laughs> and he's like, you're not wrong. Um, um, and I would say this, that scene where Christine and um, Dr. Strange, um, Steven Strange are fighting right after his surgeries, after he's realizing, and he's just, he's in so much physical pain, but also I think emotional and psychological pain. And she's just trying to help. Um, and I think this is crucial. Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And Strange was so hurt that he was hurting her. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a claim. Um, she did the right thing by leaving him. She did the right thing by leaving him. Um, I actually would argue that I think that was the most loving thing that she did was to leave him in his own mire because he wasn't willing to go in after it and change. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, some of the other stuff. I thought the idea of um, there's this almost motif you talked about with the ancient one of her bringing the upside down kingdom. He's he's like walking and go. Actually, you thought reality was this. You called it medicine. We call it magic. And this flip, which makes even Andrew Garfield's line in No Way Home, you guys have magic here. Like even even better. Um, that kind would, of that, that actually that kind of remind me of what um, Th- Thor said something very similar. To Jane Foster, when I think she, he said, "You call it science, we call it magic, or something like that." Like, uh, yeah. there's a there's a similar motif there. Yeah, and I I would argue that I think. All right, I'm going to propose something. I want your thoughts on it. All right, so in this movie, Cassilius, the bad guy, with his purple eyes or whatever, with way too much eyeshadow, he's <laughs> got when he and his followers um, are chasing after. I think the thing they're chasing after is to not die. Would you say that's fair? They're chasing for eternal life, for sure. And so that goal, they're willing to sacrifice whatever they want to get it. I think, this is my argument, um, the Ancient One's goal is not eternal life. The Ancient One's goal was continuity to help others grow. And so she had to tap into eternal life in order to do that. I don't think I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, deep conversation for way too early in the morning. But uh, <laughs> I just the reason I say that is just because I think that there's there's a clear distinction where they're in um when you there's times right Cassilius was so looking at the ancient one and like all you want is to not die, all you want is to not die, all you want is to not die, and she's like that's not it, that's not it. And I think there's times where we make presumptions about people that like this is your goal. I know you, so we dismiss them instead of actually hearing and listening and knowing who they are. I think this is like the bearing one another burden sort of a deal. Um, I don't know. I think that there's some stuff there. That's a little bit far out there. If you think I'm wrong and crazy, you can tell me, put it in the comments. Um, but I just, I think that there's some really cool motifs throughout this. Um, 
movie. And it gets me more excited because when the ancient one comes back to talk about time travel and Avengers and others, we, she's even though she's gone, she's not gone. Um, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, can we just say, I know it was CGI'd, but the fight scene between in the astral plane between Strange and uh, Cassilius's disciple when um, Dr. Uh, uh, Palmer is operating on Strange yeah. is so good. Yeah. It's so good and so it, it, creative. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like Ant-Man where like yeah. like the little girl only saw like a train fall over, like the little, you know, like like very small things were happening in her reality, but like it was a big fight. It vi- very much reminded me of like Ant-Man in that scene because like the table would shift or something. Like it was really it was it was a cool fight. It was cool. It was a cool and, fight. And even her coming back on, you've been gone for like three weeks and you come back as a wizard? Like yeah. <laughs> there's this whole whole thing where she goes there, which makes um man, it makes the what if episode even more like heart wrenching, which I rewatched that before we did this podcast. Man, it's it it's just it's that much more heart wrenching. Um and that much better, which makes me excited to hopefully if if the trailers are right to see those characters again. Um, but no, I thought it was good. This, like I said, this is one of my, one of my favorite movies and you're right. Watching it through this lens, you, the idea of the spiritual realm, not in the way that Marvel points it, but the spiritual realm is real. I mean, we, we've talked about this in the past with like the, the little G gods, um, like it's a real thing. And so even for us, as we understand the upside down kingdom, we understand who Christ is. Um, we, we can't deny that there's a spiritual realm. We can't say the physical is all there is. So I do think there's something in this that they're tapping into a reality that is actually real um, that I think is worth at least acknowledging, even though I think their view of it is not correct. Um, well, let, let's let's dive into that. Uh, you mind if I go first? And, and Run with it, bro. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk about um, false teaching and false teachers. Um, I'll, I'll explain in a second. So there's a funny scene where Christine suggests that Stevens joined the cult. I think it's where you... Where you said, where he's like, you've been gone for three weeks and you become as a wizard or whatever. And Steven knows, like, what's funny is Steven knows he cannot explain it. Like, he can't explain what he's going through. So he's just like, when, when he when he has to, like, leave really quickly and she says, where are you going? And he's like, I got to go to a cult meeting <laughs> or whatever. Like, like, uh, like it, he, Steven knows this is absurd what it looks like. So the theme of learning from a spiritual leader and becoming a follower of those leaders is a big deal. Is it's a big deal. Uh, to follow a spiritual leader as a disciple. Uh, Tommy, how would you define a disciple? What does it mean to be a, to be a disciple of someone? Yeah. Um, are we talk, the, I, the best way that I know how to describe it, you actually use the word. A disciple is someone who follows someone and emulates how and why they live life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the best yeah, way I can describe it. And so, so much of this one is like the ancient one has a group of disciples that follow him, to follow her. And then uh, Cassilius um, has created his own disciple. So Mo- uh, Motor is explaining what happened to Cassilius. And, and he said, he left Carmartage. His disciples followed him like sheep seduced by false doctrine. And that is like drenched in Christian words right there. Like disciples, sheep, false doctrine. Those are all things that you would find in scripture. And so, so, there's, so there's, a, there's this concern that... Cassilius is is basically kind of create his own following, but his following is leading him to what they would call false doctrine. And in their mind, well, Mo- Motor's mind is to follow dark magic to go to 
um, Dormammu and to try to seek for eternal life and to mess with that kind of thing is is a false doctrine because it's not what you ought to be doing with this magic because that that specific kind of magic is like secret dark magic okay so let's talk about scripture there's in in, in scripture there is uh, uh false teachers or false teaching um is a, is a big part of this movie and in the new testament it has a lot to say about false teachers and false teachings the letter to the Galatians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Peter, and, and there's other parts of the scriptures where like it kind of hints towards these false teachers and the false teachings that could happen. The general idea is that there are false teachers who either purposely confuse the gospel for their own gain. That that that's like people like um think of people who like um are trying to get rich. They'll purposely preach false doctrine to manipulate you so that they can become richer. So so that's a form of false teaching where they consciously know that what they're doing is wrong for selfish gain. Or there's people who are really convinced by the false teaching. And I would say that that's actually demonic. And so I would say this is where uh, Killian, um, not Killian, it's a different guy, uh, Cassilius falls under. Um, a, a modern example of this is Mormonism. So in, if, if you don't know much about Mormonism, um, there's the main central figure of Mormonism is a guy named Joseph Smith. And, uh, the, the way it goes is that he was a young boy, maybe like this mid teens, late teens. And he was convinced that the churches in his area were not preaching the gospel. And then an angel came to him and told him like a, a new Testament, a new gospel. And the, and the angel told him that after Jesus resurrected, he came to the Americas um, specifically North America, and there was a group of followers who happened to all be white for some reason. And then all those followers died, and then the Native Americans, like, took over the land. By the way, Mormonism is steeped with racism. Like, it's a whole other conversation for another day, but, like, black people couldn't even be, like, clergy in the Mormon church until the 1970s. But that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. The reality <laughs> is this is, like, um, he believed that there was these tablets that were found in the middle of the woods that he could only read by putting it through a special like magnifying glass. And all that to say is this, if what Joseph Smith was telling is true, that an angel spoke to him and told him a different gospel, which I, I think there's reason to doubt that story, but that's not, that's not the point. Yeah. That was not an angel. That was for sure a demon. Okay. That was for sure um, not of the Lord. Okay, so Scripture isn't vague on this. There, 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 I would say, I would say, when it comes to false teachers and false teaching, there are three ways to kind of really observe if what you're hearing or who you're talking to is a false teacher. Okay? Yeah, that's good. Three really, good. three really practical ways. One is this: what what does the teacher or teaching say about Jesus? Right? Jesus often says, "Who do you say I am? Who do you think I am?" This is important because Jesus is central to our faith. And we have scripture that 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 we can read to, to help us know who Jesus is. Like this is why we have scripture in our own language so we can know who Jesus is. Second John 9 says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teachings has both the Father and the Son. So for example, uh, in Mormonism, they do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe Jesus is a God. He's not God. He is. Uh, he's a God that was created, and we could be like Jesus. We could be gods as well. 
Islam says that Jesus was neither God or a God, but that Jesus was a really good prophet. He was a really good teacher. Okay, this is an example of what they say about Jesus is incorrect, and therefore you can tell if they're a false teacher, it's false teaching. Uh, two, what does the teaching or teachers say about the gospel? All right, Galatians, the whole of Galatians is that the, the church was uh, walking away from the gospel to follow uh, legalism or to believe in the law, to become Jewish before you have to be a Christian. And this is how he starts that letter in, in Galatians chapter 1. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be a curse. So Joseph Smith should have been like, nah, this is whack to that angel that was talking to him if he read Galatians. And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be a curse. So false teachers must change the gospel in order to preach um, false teachings because the gospel message is so clear of how and what it produces that in order to, to, to preach a false gospel, you have to change the gospel completely. It, and, um, and, um, Oh, oh, and um, it has to be changed. And so what false teachers do is they get tricky with it. So 2 Peter chapter 2 says this, uh, But false prophets also arose among them, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So false teachers love talking about secrets. They love talking about, like, like I wouldn't say like Cassilius, he, he thought that the key to eternal life was something that was hidden from him because the ancient one didn't teach him this. And so therefore, he thought the solution to what he wanted was in these quote-unquote secrets. And so false teachers love talking about how God has given them a secret message or God has spoken to them secretly. Like, this is whack. Like, all of this is whack. Like, God has given us his word. God speaks through to us through his scriptures. And, and even if God were to talk to you directly, which I'm sure he does. Like, I'm not saying God doesn't speak to us directly. He would never contradict his word. All right? If, if, God, if you're wondering if you're hearing from God, then the question I would be is, does it, does it contradict his word or not? If it doesn't contradict his word, then we're good. They have to say it's a secret because when they start teaching something that goes against his word, they know that it has to be something that hasn't been revealed. And then lastly, and this is my final thing, is uh, what what is the teacher's character? In, in scripture, every false teacher is shown to have misplaced intentions or their teaching produces a lifestyle that does not honor God. If the teacher is if the teaching is from a teacher that isn't living for the Lord, it's whack. Or if the teaching produces a lifestyle that isn't godly, it's whack. Our our sin, of course, can cause us to rebel, but that's not because uh, godly teaching is bad. It's because in spite of the godly teaching, we rebel. So Doctor Strange shows us something: Cassilius pursued eternal life at the expense of everyone else. He was selfish and it was deadly. Like he wanted eternal life, no matter how many people he had to kill and destroy to get it. The ancient one, though she used dark magic, used her teachings to protect the world and to save others. This is selflessness that produces what we would consider good character. It was humble and compassionate. And I think that it would be obvious to see what Cassilius was doing was wrong because the character produced was something that was evil where the ancient one, as imperfect as she was, 
was producing a humble and compassionate spirit. Anyways, what do you think about all this false teacher top? It's good. Top. And let's be clear. The ancient one's religion is not Christianity. All right. It was interesting as you were talking through this. I thought I do. I think it's good. I just, I Googled what is a cult definition? Like just what is it? Because I know you're not talking about, we're talking about false teaching. And it just says a That's relatively good. small group of people who have religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange. Uh, which I just thought I, was. I, I do think, though, that clinically speaking, like legally speaking, um, cults also demand to be a cult. It demands you from um, withdrawing from other people and like cutting people off. Where like you could you could maybe manipulate Christianity to say it does that, but I don't actually think that's what Christianity does. And because especially because Christianity is so evangelistic and so like inclusive and in trying to bring people in, cults don't do that. Cults purposely try to cut you off so that way you don't have anyone speaking into you yeah and i think that's part of what you're saying is like are we chasing after who christ is are we are we still claiming him as lord and there are those that are false teachers that would use that to their own gain i mean we see that today we've seen that throughout history that's not something new um that we'll see i will say um the the flip side of this i think i've also watched the other side where we'll look as christians we'll go oh that person's a false teacher that person's a false teacher. We'll, we'll, we'll jump faster sometimes than we need to when we just don't like something. Um, I think there, like I've had times in my life where someone has preached something out of the word and it's very clearly pointed at Jesus, the word, and it's correct. I just don't like it because it's either against what I grew up in, against like a tradition that I had. Um, like I, I've talked, we've like, we've talked about this, but, like the past, the little G things, the little G gods versus the big G gods. I remember when I first heard that, I'm like, that can't be true. That can't be true. That can't be true. There's only one God. Like, cause that's all I knew. But then the more I studied scripture and I went back to it and I dove into it, I'm like, oh God, you're trying to teach me something here. You're trying to show me something here. That's very different um, than a person who is clearly, clearly, clearly manipulating the gospel or manipulating a truth for their own good. Um, even if their intentions, dude, I, as you're talking, Moon Knight, Moon Knight. I mean, like Arthur Harrow, sure. Arthur Harrow is a cult leader that in all shapes and form looks like he's creating a utopia. But we just find out that actually his intentions are very wrong, very wrong. He's just manipulative, but he comes across as a very put together, suave um, character, which by the way, if you haven't watched that yet, it's good. Um, but yeah, it, that that talks a lot about false teachers, which if we ever talk about Moon Knight, I feel like we're going to need like 20 episodes because there is so much in that. But yeah, I thought you're talking about false teachers. Um, how would you go about, you talked about this a little bit, but when you hear, how do you differentiate when you're listening to someone versus like, oh, this must be from scripture and from God versus this must be someone who's after their own gain? Like what are some ways that you figured out or learned basically to um, think through correctly? Oh, um, I don't know. Well, do you, get, do you get what I'm asking? Do you get what I'm going at right here? I think I know. I mean, I, I, I think the three things I just told you is what I would do. I, I think that like um, one, one thing that I think is important, though, is you have to distinguish between someone who's an actual false teacher and someone who doesn't know the gospel or someone who has a misunderstanding of the gospel. Because I've met, I mean, in our profession as pastors, how many times have you met, like, like you met someone who said, um, you know, you said that you, you've talked to a bunch of people and say, hey, what is the gospel? And they'll say something whack when they come back to you and say like, oh, I got baptized or something. And it's like, oh, it's not that they're a false teacher. 
they may have learned false teachings, but they're not a false teacher. They just don't know or they're confused or they misunderstand. And I think that's important because I would say I interact with people more so who are naive or misunderstand than I interact with false teachers. Um, now, I have talked to some false teachers, yeah. whether it was uh, uh, a Jehovah's Witness at my door trying to evangelize to me. And I, I, I got to be careful because I don't know if they're truly false teachers as much as they're people who've been convinced by false teaching. Because mm. I will say this, as much as uh, Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses I would consider is a, is a false doctrine and false beliefs, um, their followers are some of the most devoted people ever. And I feel bad because it's like, I want, I want, I will say this. I, I one time they, I got pushback when I said this. I said, um, Mormons are some of the nicest people you ever meet. And someone said, well, the reason why they're so nice is because their religion has convinced them that like their works and their, their, their behavior are so t- contingent and tied to that. I don't know. I, I, I think that as I'm sitting with someone, I want to take their word for what it is, mm-hmm. unless I clearly see that they are like, a false teacher trying to manipulate something. I haven't seen many of those. I have met, there was, I, I remember I was sitting down with a guy who was a pastor at a church and he was like the definition of a prosperity teacher. Like he believed, um, he, and this is where it gets really warped. He believed that if you have faith, you'll never be sick and you'll be rich. And his evidence for that is because he's made so much money being a pastor. And so, and, and, and I'm like, but you're, the reason why you've made so much money is because you're spreading this lie to other people and people are giving all their money to the church and that's going straight to your pocket. And he said, but if, it's, if that's happening and I'm getting rich and then it's true. And I said, then bro, you basically create a pyramid scheme. <laughs> like, you're, <laughs> like, that's not, it's not the gospel. Like, and it's such like a self-fulfilling prophecy that's out of like, um, um, freaking manipulation you know and so i don't know i think when i have those conversations with folks i i want to be i want to make a distinction between people who are naive and don't know the truth or confused versus false teachers but i think ultimately uh false teaching and false teachers has to do with making other people believe this truth where where like what you and i are interacting with on a weekly basis are people who believe maybe something that's false but aren't necessarily trying to spread it because they're just they just assume this is what Christianity is, and our job is like to correct those false teachings. Yeah, I think there's times where we can very clearly see that the teaching's false. Like you, like it's like it's just that just does not line up with scripture. And there's other times where it's subtle, um, or people believe it. And I, I have found like if you're interacting with somebody who you're like, I don't know if I I either not not even just say agree with them, but I think that's counter. I would say do what you can to be relational with them first and and unless it's a blatant sin where they're just stuck in their ways there's no way to get out of it be as like kind as you can i mean it was even like jesus was never surprised by sin i think that's a big thing if you look in scripture and so when you when, if we view sin when people bring it before us it shouldn't surprise us um jesus has seen a thing or two if we're supposed to be more like him <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we're okay with it and so i've just found when i'm interacting like you talk about interacting with people who are like i don't sit there and they say something like the gospel is just the Bible. I don't go, oh, hang on, man. You're just dead wrong here. Like you're an idiot. Like, no, I'm like, huh, interesting. Let's talk about that. Let's dive into it. Let's figure out, okay, so what is the gospel? But yeah, I think relation, um, focusing on relationship is key, but that kind of leads a little bit into what I, I saw. Um, the biggest motif in this movie, like the biggest story that like the, the character trait that they trace this whole movie is humility. And in fact, Dr. Strange's character itself is all focused on humility. Um, you got to think about it. Dr. Strange starts the whole movie by being what? The greatest surgeon that's ever been. 
right? He is the greatest surgeon. He's he's incredible. He's phenomenal. And yet, um, he he only views what he does. His great he views his greatness through that. And so he he sees um, himself higher than he should. And so I, w- I want to do this. I think humility is something. Um, it's this weird thing where if you talk about it. It, it doesn't exist. It's almost like a joke. Like I have, I'm a humble person. It's like, no, I don't think you are. Um, cause it just, you're missing it. So I'm, I want to give a definition and then I want to look at scripture. Um, so I would say humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of others. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of others. And, and I think we see this throughout scripture, the preeminent passage, um, the preeminent passage is all about uh, Philippians 2. It's in Philippians 2. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically he's saying in order to be unified together, in order for all of you to be together, I, I would say that you need to make my joy complete um, by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit, one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, this is Philippians 2 verse 3, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Um, and then he goes into what is how did Jesus show humility? And I call this the stair step passage, where Jesus starts at the top stair, where he was who being being very nature God did not count equality with God, takes a step down and on the stairs, um, but he considered God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Another stair step down, being found in appearance, he humbled himself. Become obedient to cross another stair step down, even death on a cross, where he finally is at like the lowest point. And I think we look at that and we're like, oh, so what I need to do is just deny myself. I'm like, no, because when you look right at verse nine, there's a therefore. The therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, um, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is where I think the ultimate humility is in this last part to the glory of God, the father. The reason Jesus is humble is because he wants people to see his father. He wants people to see and point to that. And so there's this idea of humility is actually viewing others as more important than yourself. And I think this is where strange at the beginning of the movie, he even has the line, life without my work is nothing. He'll say, um, and even like uh, his lady, Christine, looks at him and says, Stephen, you think everything is about you. And Stephen turns and goes, well, isn't it? He just, his whole life is wrapped up in making himself great. That by the end of the movie, I think he has a faster character art change than Iron Man because he switches. And by the end of the movie, the coolest, like almost riddle-like answer that he come up with is, I'm going to die over and over and over again until Dormammu realizes that he's stuck here with me. And I'm going to bring time into his dimension and I'm going to pause it. And I'm like, to me, that's actually a sign of humility that he's willing to take on that pain and that torment in order for everyone else to be free. It's a it's a messianic figure. Um, now, I don't think that Dr. Strange is the Messiah. Like, I'm not going to say that. But I do think that there's a piece to his humility that changes. And so as we look at humility, I think, what does that look like for us? I think it's modeling Christ. You talk about being a disciple, being a follower of Christ. Part of us being a disciple is modeling Jesus, is modeling who he is. I don't know. What do you think, man? So I I know that there's a, the major theme of this movie is his humility. And I think, that, I think what you said was good. Um, here's the thing. Do you think Dr. Strange is actually humbled at the end? I think he's more humble than when he starts. I, I said yeah. this. I don't know if you remember, but I did say that I think he um, 
he has a faster character arc than Iron Man. Than Tony, sure. And and which, yes, I still think that Tony has not changed, but that's another conversation for another day. But I, I think that um, I don't think he's fully humble because No Way Home. Exactly. Because of other things that are coming. So I don't think he's fully there, but I think he's more so. Like on a scale of one to 10, he starts off at a negative five in humility. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He's like a <laughs> 1.2 or something. I, yeah. I give him maybe a three. Like I think sure. the fact that he's willing to die repeatedly for yeah. other people's good, like he's not a one. Like that's just my. His, his, his sacrifice, his sacrificial nature to be in front of Dormammu forever is for sure like a very humble, very much like the ancient one to selflessly, selflessly sacrifice himself for the sake of others. Um, you know, his character arc and Tony's character arc are so similar, um, but it almost seems like I don't want to say Doctor Strange is smarter than Tony, but it definitely seems like he has a sense of being able to. Um, Realize when humility is to his benefit better mm. than than Tony does. For Tony, I think he has to go through a lot of hard lessons for to hit, for him to be humbled. He's like, okay, A plus B equals C here, so that's why I should be humble here. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was good, um, and I love Philippians too. I love the the example of the humility of Christ. Um, Philippians one of my favorite books. So, anyways. Um, we're going to wrap the show up. We've already gone for, um, you know, almost an hour over an hour here. Um, and we just got news that the Thor 11 Thunder trailer just came out. So we have to, (laughs) we want to end this episode to go watch that, but Hey, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode next week. We'll be back with guardians of the galaxy two. We can't wait to talk to you about that. Dance Uh, off. Ready? Go. (laughs) As always follow us on Instagram. Give us a review on Apple podcast. Share this with a friend. And we will see you next week. And as you watch these amazing movies, remember not to miss The Marvelous Gospel.